0: Good morning Grace Church, we're glad to have you here today, we're glad you're here to worship with us. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, that is in the midst. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in here in Jesus' name today.
1: So that was at least
0: two or three people, right? So he's here. He's here to minister to us, he's here to, to work in our lives, and we just want to praise him and pray that you would just do that with us today as we begin to worship him and just lift him up.
2: Great day for a miracle. Today is a great day for an answer to prayer. You don't have to wait another minute. You don't have to wait another day. Today is the accepted time. Right now is the accepted time. Amen. You're in the right place at the right time. One more time. Let's clap our hands to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated today. We welcome all of you to Grace Church Campus. We're glad you're here. And I just pray that you are blessed today in the service. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you've chosen to be a part of the service today. I do want to thank you again for your faithfulness and generosity in giving. As always, you can give online. You can give on your way out in Grand Central uh, in, in the offering box there. We appreciate so much your giving to the kingdom of God. And then, very excited to remind you and let you know that this coming Tuesday at 10 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, we will resume Tuesday morning prayer. And I'm just so excited about that. And if your schedule allows you to be a part of that on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, we want you to, to make that a priority and join us for prayer. And then, this, uh, today, after the service, we, uh, the, the students, the young people are serving a jambalaya dinner. Uh, and this is uh, Troy Swallow's recipe. He's the one cooking it. So that's all you need to know right there. Troy is the one that cooked it. And uh, so it will be $8 uh, for jambalaya, white beans, and a dessert. And uh, we, we will be serving that right over in the A Center after church. So whatever your lunch plans were, cancel them. We need you to go buy a lot of jambalaya after church for lunch and uh, help support what used to be called Cheese for Christ. It's now Move the Mission. This is to raise money for missions, bottom line, Move the Mission fundraiser. Help us today, if you will, by buying some jambalaya after church today. Amen. God bless you today. We're going to just keep worshiping the Lord. We're going to go back into our time of worship. I encourage you to let God have his way. I encourage you to be open to whatever God wants to do today. God bless you. Let's clap our hands as the praise team comes back to lead us in worship.
0: is stronger. The name of Jesus is higher above all things. The name of Jesus is bigger. It's hard.
1: believe what we all just sang, that if He said it, I believe it. if He said it, it's done. I think there should be some response to that. I think there should be some manifestation of our faith to that, that I still believe in Him. I believe in miracles. I believe in signs and wonders. I I believe in the moving of the Spirit of the Lord. Would you clap your hands all over the house today? Let's give Him some praise, everybody. Give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Jesus is here today. Uh, We're wrapping up a great week of camp meeting. and uh, The Spirit of the Lord was there so mightily and we're always, always thankful for that. I want to ask you to just keep standing for a moment. We'll read our scripture text in just a moment. Uh, There's been, actually for the past several years, there's been a a prevailing thought in my head and it, it comes through when we're preaching and teaching, it comes through I'm very passionate about what we do here at Grace Church I believe in it with all of my heart and uh, Brother Josh Pamer preached a message Wednesday night at camp meeting and I want to ask all of our church people all of our church people if, if you can find that on Facebook, YouTube, wherever they, they put all that stuff. I'm sure if you go to the Louisiana District website, they can direct you to it. Uh, search for it, whatever it takes. It's worth it. It'll be worth it. I have a, a little presentation I'll, I'll, I'll present to you right now, and then we'll go to the Word of God. The Bible has made several statements through various writers. It's made several statements it, it, it begins with in the Old Testament he that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church is the Old Testament said that uh, there would be people having eyes see not and having ears hear not this this statement is it's it, it, it lives in my heart James even wrote about a man that would get up and look at himself in the mirror then walk away from the mirror unchanged and and doing nothing about what he had just seen. There's a, a brilliant analogy and application there. The thing that's puzzling to me about the statement, he that hath an ear, it's mentioned numerous times in the book of Revelation, especially in the book of Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, what that's telling me is that there are that the church and this is speaking to the church is speaking to people that are saved not unsaved people saved people that knows and I want to say here in passing that no matter how unmoving we may find a service to be maybe as uninteresting as we find preaching and teaching to be that does not change the reality of what the Word of God says And we we are all also programmed to be motivated by preaching, teaching, and especially singing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that's not what should be our total motivation. He that hath an ear, let him hear. It's, It's once knowledge is deposited in you, once understanding has been deposited in you, then you have an accountability to what you've heard. He that hath an ear, let him hear. It's not something you can slough off and just say, well, that's a bunch of foolishness and I'm not going to believe all that stuff. The reality of the Word of God doesn't change. The puzzling thing about the statement, he that hath an ear, is talking to the church. It sounds to me like the angel to the church, to the seven churches of Asia, particularly in, in, in Revelation, where he said, he that hath an ear, let him hear. That everybody in the church has the ability to hear, you have the potential to hear. You cannot deny that you've not heard. Where you come into play is acting upon what you've heard. Responding properly and appropriately to what you have heard. In my opinion, Brother Josh Pamer preached the most amazing, just such a, a, a tremendous message Wednesday night. It was family night at campground on the application of the Word of God to our lives. I think some of us forget or we, we we choose not to remember. We choose not to even think about it. But you're going to be judged by what this book says. Whether, whether we like that or not, whether you want to believe that or not, whether you think it's applicable to you or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we think. You've heard. You've heard. You have ears and you've heard. Does that make sense to anybody here today? So it's up to you to apply what you've heard. And whether your circumstances in life are commensurate with what the Word of God teaches, whether your attitude is or not, whether you believe what it says it is or not, it doesn't matter what you think, what your posture is, what your mindset, your attitude, and all that. It doesn't matter. We're still accountable to the Word of God. I'm asking everybody to, to pull up that sermon and watch it spend some time don't do it while you're washing clothes and all that sit down in your living room and instead of watching your favorite television program or your favorite whatever please pull that up and and watch it I I was very uh, I just really wanted so bad to just play that today at church just on our screen and let everybody watch it but uh, I've done that before it was effective one time I don't know if it would be effective again but I'm asking you to do that, if you would. So with that in mind, I want to call your attention to the Word of God, and this may not seem relevant, but you'll see in just a moment how relevant that it 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, I will be very pastoral today. I want to preach to everyone that hath an ear to hear. And if you hear what the Word of God says, and you understand it to some degree, I'm going to ask you to respond to it. Ask you to manifest a response to it today. We'll have that moment in the altar service when the altar service time comes. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet, this was a woman married to a preacher, unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord and the creditor is come the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen or to be slaves and Elisha said unto her what shall I do for thee tell me what is in your house what is in your house She said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Elisha said, Go and borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few, and when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour into all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him shut the door upon her and upon her sons and who brought the vessels to her. And she poured out and it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me a vessel. And he said unto her, there's not a vessel more. And the oil stayed or it stopped flowing. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. I want to preach to you for a little while today the value of emptiness. The value of emptiness. And what I am saying here today in that title is if God wants to move in our lives, and He does, and if we want God to move in our lives, and I believe some of us do, there's a beautiful value to being empty so that God can fill you up. So what are we full of today that would prevent God from filling us up, worldliness, sin, carnality. I want to preach my heart to you today. I want to preach with all I have, the value of emptiness. Everybody say, thank God for the Word. Thank you for standing so long, and you may be seated. Thank you so much. I want to begin today to say by, I want to say that it is so fulfilling being saved, being right with God, being under that huge umbrella of God's redemptive plan. It's a a fulfilling thing to have that. You You can believe in stuff being born again of water and spirit. You can believe stuff that you don't have to fully understand to believe it. I use a light switch all the time, and so do you. But I don't totally understand it. I don't understand how all that works, but I use it every single day, every day. I think I turn more light switches off in my house than I do on. But nonetheless, I still use it and I can't explain it. As a matter of fact, if you do a little Bible study, the Israelites ate manna in the wilderness for 40 years. Y'all remember that story? They never did understand manna. As a matter of fact, we still don't understand it. Don't really know what it is. Some people have called it angel food, har, har, har. But we still don't really totally know what it is. I've had the Holy Ghost for about 52 years. And I still can't explain everything about it. I don't know everything about it, it's hard to describe it, but I still love it, and I'm very thankful for it. Everybody said amen. Along with the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you have all the promises of God that are full of power and blessing, and I believe that today, and there's there's people here today that if you have an ear, listen. You have ears, listen. That I believe that today God is looking for somebody to deposit His promise and blessing into. I believe there's folks here today that God would love nothing more than by the time this service is concluded that you are full of promise, you're full of hope, you're full of life, you've been revived, you've been challenged, God has restored some things. God has healed some things in your life, in your mind, and so on. And I believe that perhaps there's some hunger and desire here today among the people attending here today to receive those promises from God. But I also believe that God, far more than us, has a desire to pour out his promise. And to pour out His blessings on us. And His promises are far easier to know and to believe than what you may think. I believe everybody here today can believe. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Everyone here today can believe and receive any and all of God's promises. He just needs somebody a little bit empty to pour them into. The scripture that I read is about a woman whose husband died and because she doesn't have the wherewithal to pay her husband's debt, this was very customary in those days. Thank God we're not there today. But the creditors, the people she owed money to, were coming to take away her two sons and to sell them into slavery to pay her debt, to pay her husband's debt. I want to stop and say here in passing today I would to God that he that hath an ear let him hear. I want to say today in passing that the world, sin, the devil is a creditor. He wants our family, he wants your family, he wants your kids, yes he does. The devil wants your kids. Sin does. The world wants your kids. For some of our families, he stood on your door and knocked a long time. But a blood covering on your home has kept him out. But there's other families here today that has let him in. He that hath an ear, let him hear. My heart today is very passionate towards our parents with kids that are still at home. Even grandparents that have grandkids that are still at home that have not yet reached adulthood. I can tell you today that the world is bidding for your kids and wants to take them away from what you have taught them or what you have tried to teach them. I want to submit to you today, it is imperative that we stand up as moms and dads and grandparents and says, I'm not going to the door. Not today, not ever. I want my kids to know the things of God. I want my kids to know about God. I want my kids to know the Word of God. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today. It's interesting to me when this woman approached Elisha. He asked, what do you have in your house? He didn't ask her to come to church. He didn't ask her to go to a prayer room. He said, what do you have in your house? You want the promises of God fulfilled in your life, in your marriage? With your kids, I counsel with people all the time and this thing slaps me in the face it seems like every time I talk to people. There's other people that won't talk to me because they know what I'm going to say. But I want to ask every family here today, especially those of you that have kids still at home under your care. When it comes... To the blessing and promise of God being fulfilled in your home. What do you have in your house to make that happen? What are you doing to facilitate that? You want the promises of God fulfilled? What do you have in your house? I submit to you today and I say this often. Church starts in the home. Church don't start when you get here. Church starts in the home. So I'll ask you again. What do you have in your house or may I ask the question today is what do you have in your house that's hindering a move of God in your home what do you have in your house that's preventing your marriage being healed and better what's preventing, what's preventing things in, to happen in your kids lives what's going on in your house he that hath an ear let him hear him here. Church isn't where it starts, the home is. Our home should be a place of prayer and worship. Our home should be places of Christ-likeness. Our homes should be a place of honor, respect, discipline, and accountability. Some of our homes have too much worldliness and bad attitudes and inconsistency. Fussing, arguing, and unfaithfulness. Then when you Come to the house of God and you want pastor to really get down on it. You leave a terrible home environment, come to a church where there's a great environment and then go back home to the terrible environment at home and you wonder why. All the God stuff and all the church stuff doesn't work in your house. The creditor has knocked on the door and somebody here today has let him in. Let me, let me just stop right here. I, I, don't, I don't know how many of you folks listen to pastor. I, you hear this mouth Sunday in, Sunday out, Wednesday in, Wednesday out. Maybe I should bring in more guest speakers and give your ears a break. And, but preachers really struggle when you know that you've heard from God and God's given you something and, and nobody's going to hear it. All preachers really struggle with that. And I'm struggling with that now. I feel this thing here today that this really isn't what we came to hear, Pastor, but it's what you need to hear. It's what you need to hear. Noah had an altar before he had a home. Did you know that? Before Noah got off the ark, before he even built a house, he built an altar. I'd recommend you couples do that, you families do that. Before you go buy a new house, build an altar somewhere before you you buy the new house or build a new house. Maybe you could do that. I want you to notice that Elisha, who in the strictest of terms, the most accurate of terms, was her pastor at this moment. She went to him and said, I have a need. I need some advice. What can I do? And so now he is counseling her. He is instructing her and he's giving her direction. There's too many among us in our present day culture that disregard the preacher. They they disregard the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. I submit to everybody here today you make a mistake when you do that. I want you to notice today it's true. God sent this woman a preacher, God sent this woman a prophet, a pastor. He did not send her a bank. He did not send her a finance company. He did not send to her a house, a loan officer. God didn't find her a cool place to work, making a lot of money. He sent to her a preacher. Her needs weren't spiritual at this moment, her needs were emotional, her needs were financial. And it's interesting to me that even at that point in her life, God still sent to her a preacher for some reason God has chosen that through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe the bible said that faith comes by hearing I try not to be a screamer I know screaming preachers offend people and I try not to be one but when you're trying to say what I'm I'm saying and you're passionate as it as I am about it as I am it's hard not to I want to shout it as loud as I can. I want to say to you today that the things of God does not come through your favorite song. Or your favorite music or singers. I see people, I hear people all the time. Church people talking about a camp meeting this week, for example. Well, how was the music? How was the singing? How was the music? How was the... What about the preaching? The Bible didn't say by the foolishness of singing that it was going to save you. That's all a part of it. And it's important and I'm all about it. But this right now, in my opinion, is leading up to the most important part of this service. Where you have an opportunity to come down here and talk to God for a little while. That's what this is leading up to. I'm thankful for all the rest. But there has never and neither will there ever be a substitute for the preaching of the word of God. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today. Faith doesn't come through your particular church preferences. It comes from the Word of God and from the preacher. Notice this today King Saul of the Old Testament, he had a preacher and a musician in his life. He had Samuel as the preacher, and he had David as the singer. He chose the singer, he chose the musician. And he ended up with a bad attitude, lost his kids, and ultimately his throne and his life. So for those of you that just thrive on K-Love and the message and southern gospel and whatever your music genre is, you still have to have a preacher in your life. And for those of you that attend Grace Church, it's me. I'm sorry about that but that's what God did. So Elisha asked the woman, what do you have in your house? The second thing he said, he asked is, what do you want? What do you want? It is so tragic to me, and I've seen this over and over. People really don't invite the preacher into their lives and into their homes until their lives are falling apart. And their kids are falling apart. And their marriage is falling apart. Instead, I preach faithfulness and giving and parameters and holiness and so on. But people don't want to hear it until their lives are falling apart and things around them are a disaster. I have made it a point, And a lot of you that attend Grace Church regular have seen it. You've noticed it. That I engage our young people and I engage our children all the time. I constantly engage them. When we go to youth camp, we park our golf cart in a certain spot, and we do it every year so our young folks can know where to find us. They don't come when they need us. They just come to say, Hi, Pastor. They just come to say, Hello. I get hugs. I get fist bumps, handshakes, high fives, low fives, whatever you want to call it. I get all of that. I do that, and I do it on purpose because I want them to know There's a preacher in your life and you don't have to wait till you're a mama or a daddy or a grandparent to have a preacher in your life. I want these folks right here in the front to know I'm your pastor as much as I am anybody else in this church. And I'll do whatever I can. I'll do whatever I can to see to it that you have a clear path from here to the glory world. Everybody clap your hands. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask our moms and dads today, what do you want? What do you want? What is your goal and vision? To provide your child with the latest new technology and gaming and iPhones and all of that stuff? Or do you, as your top priority to see them down here. Every service, every service, every service. Whether they need it or not, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? The preacher's asking, what do you want in your home? What do you want in your family? If we could only understand the necessity of staying close to God and being faithful in praying and Bible study, what do you want? What do you want? Again, I want to say, I mentioned it before we started preaching today. But If you want the things of God in your house, you can have it. Don't wait until your kids are haywired and falling apart and then blame the church for it because they didn't have a good youth program. Your young people are gonna, not going to be any more successful for God than what you are at home and what you teach them at home. There's a few that'll break that barrier, but it's not very many. They'll follow their parents. I had reason to sit down... This week, actually, I camp meeting. I had a family over to our trailer, and it had to be one of the most valuable moments I've had with a church family in a long time. I asked them about a certain situation that had transpired in their past prior to us knowing them, and they shared that whole story. It was a grievous story. But what I got out of it, in their story, there were two events in their life one of them, it appeared that God was absent. The other, that God was so present. It was amazing. What I got out of it is it taught them a balance and it gave them a desire to serve God, to please God. And that dad sat in the little living room of our trailer, got all emotional, cried, tears streaming down his face. And he said, You'll never know how satisfying it is to come home and the things that we talk about and hear about the most out of our kids. Is I can't wait for church on Wednesday. Can't wait for the youth event on Friday night. And I can't wait for Sunday. He said we hear it all the time. And he said you don't know how valuable that is to me and my wife. I do know how valuable it is. I absolutely know how valuable it is. Not only did my two kids do that. But now I have two grandsons coming on the scene. at that getting into that age. And they're enjoying that. And looking forward to that more and more. So what you want in your house is determined by you. you want the things of God in your house, you'll have it, and your kids will have it. If you don't, they're not going to want it. Again, if we could only understand the necessity of staying close to God. The woman answered, I have a hard time believing that the only thing she had in her house was a pot of oil. Surely there was something else other than that. Surely there was a bowl somewhere, a cup somewhere, a glass somewhere. Surely there was something else in her house that was empty. But perhaps because she was a preacher's wife, they understood priorities. So all she had in her house was a pot of oil. Whatever she had or did not have in her house, it's interesting to me, that the one thing she had that she mentioned was the most appropriate, the most applicable, and the most that God could work with. She had something that God could work with. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Does it matter how broken? dysfunctional it doesn't matter how far away you seem to be I'll come to that in a moment it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I believe today with all my heart brother Ben, that every person in this church today has something in your house that can attract the blessing and miracle of God you have something it's up to you it's up to you to do a little bit of soul-searching to say I can look at this in my house and say no, that's not it. I can look at this in my house because all of us have lots of stuff. We're finding, as this nerve and I are finding out just how much stuff we had when we moved. We don't have no more room to put stuff. We're, we're done with stuff. I've got all the stuff that I want that we need. We, we've got all that. But surely, if I walk through my house, I could find something that God could use. But whatever it is, It needs to have a value to it when it's empty. So where we have a full pot of oil and you may feel like you're doing okay, have you thought for just a moment that there might be some more that God could give you if you could find something else that's empty? This is good preaching right The woman said, I have a pot of oil. Good answer. Perfect. Perfect answer. Now, if you want, now oil is a type of the Holy Ghost, and it's a type of the anointing, it's a type of healing, it's a type of all that, and we have that in our home. But if you want more of God, that pot needs to become Him. So what did the prophet tell her to do? He didn't say go out in the backyard just dump it out. He said take your two boys and go to everybody in your town. You know the story. And find everything empty you can find. Any vessel, container, cup, pot, bowl. It doesn't matter what it is. Find something that's empty. It's another sermon for another time. But it's amazing to me at how much emptiness was in that town. I don't know if y'all are hearing this today or not. How much emptiness is in our communities right now that if we could take a little oil out of our pot and pour it into somebody else, what could happen? What could happen? The woman said, I have a pot of oil. It's a type of the presence of God. Now, all you need to do is empty that out because what you have in that pot right now is not helping your boys. Hello, sister, preacher's wife, what you have in your pot isn't helping your boys. So you need to pour that out and get something in that pot that's going to help your two sons. really struggling here today folks of just closing my iPad and let's go eat some jambalaya and we'll catch a sermon later but I'm going to keep plugging away at it because I feel like this is what God wants me to do we all know the story that she took her little pot of oil however big it was however much it was and she didn't understand what the prophet was doing i don't believe she got the point until she started obeying it until she started doing what he told her to do so she got that first empty vessel that first empty container from her neighbor's house she said yeah i recognize that you know carol next door fixed me a casserole in this one day i remember this pot but now it's empty Uh, had all kind of association maybe with that pot that's another story for another time so she takes her oil And she pours it into that pot here's you all know the story that pot became full but when she looked at this pot it was still full then she started getting the point then she started getting the point then she started the ear that could hear heard and obeyed what the preacher said what the preacher said not the loan officer not the attorney not the bank not the economy not none of that what the preacher said So she poured that oil in, set it aside. Her sons brought her another one, you know the story, poured the oil in, that one filled up, this one's still full. Talk about a miracle. You kind of get the wide eyed emoji after a while when you're on your fifth pot and you keep pouring it in there and this one's not emptying out, you're like, dear me. Where this woman, if she made a mistake, this is where she made her mistake. Her son said, They had gotten all the empty vessels they could find, but nobody knows how far they went. Nobody knows how far they went down the street. And she believed them. And when she quit pouring the oil, then there was no point in the oil multiplying anymore. I'm encouraging Grace Church here today to take advantage of this moment. Elisha said, get a lot of vessels, not a few. God has promises, blessings, and miracles the size of an ocean. And we show up every Sunday morning with a thimble. God help us to empty ourselves out so God can pour more of himself into us and help us to repent daily, to keep ourselves empty of sin and the world and full of the Holy Ghost. Elisha said, close the door of your house. Quit letting junk in. Close the door and start pouring. Now it becomes a family affair. The Bible said, she said unto her sons, she said unto her sons, start pouring oil. When the oil started flowing, mama got inspired and she said, I need more vessels. Go get more vessels. And that's the way it is with God. If we could just get parents inspired... When we hear the Word of God and it begins to lead us on a path of divine intervention, it doesn't always get inspired because reason always attacks faith and causes doubt. Some may learn, some may have figured out that if I just start pouring oil, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't need oil, I need money. I don't need oil, I need my sons to be free from this creditor. I don't need oil, I don't need oil. But Elisha wasn't finished. God wasn't finished. He said, now that you have this abundance of oil in your house, now that you have more than you know what to do with, go sell it and redeem your sons. That's what you do in the old hell. What, perhaps I'm not nearly finished, but I, I've said enough. What's interesting to me, God didn't send her a bank because the bank wouldn't loan her money. God didn't send her a loan officer because she had none. Of the wherewithal to get money from anybody. And when all of her earthly resources would fail her, God sent a preacher. There's nothing more fulfilling. It's never put me on an ego trip. It's been more humbling than anything else but is to counsel people and they do it and they come back six months later and said man everything in my life is different everything in my life is better God's really worked amazing things pastor but there's nothing more heartbreaking than to know you've heard from the Lord and a family turns and walks away and continues to repeat what they've been repeating and all the negativity that comes along with it. I want to tell all of us here today, no matter how full you think you are and how much we think we know and how much we think we've experienced, if we would pour ourselves out to the Lord in every way that we know how, have to say this it's burdened me it's been such a burden it's been such a burden I taught a Bible study a number of Wednesday nights ago on the, tent, uh, the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath day and to keep it holy I don't know that Sunday is more abused in our church culture I think it's more abused today than ever we fail to realize that Judah went into captivity at the end of the Old Testament in Babylon. They were there for 70 years. That happened because they abused the Sabbath day. They did not honor the Sabbath That one commandment, that's all they did, was disobeyed it. And So God allowed them to go into captivity for 70 years because of their abuse of the Sabbath day. We think we can get away with this stuff because our lives are going along, going along. But somewhere along the line, it will manifest. He that hath an ear, let him hear. It's imperative that you honor God this one beautiful day of the week by attending a church service. Yes. I don't read anywhere in the scripture that God made allowances for it. One day out of seven is not too much to ask. He that hath an ear, ask everybody here today, are you willing to pour yourselves out one more time? There's people here today that have so much hope and promise ahead of you. There's so many exciting things that's transpiring in your life. God is good. God is blessed. God has made some amazing things happen. Now is not the time to take your foot off the gas. It's not time to let it. It's not time to tell your soul, soul, take it easy, like the rich man did, I'll take my knees. Now's not a time to do that. Now's a time to pour ourselves out to the Lord. So if you'll stand with me this morning, I would like to give all of our families, y'all excuse our young folks that are going over to help prepare for the lunch following service today. It's okay. Asking all of our families, especially our moms and dads, maybe it's a good opportunity for those that your young folks are going next door to work. Maybe you can have some prayer time with just yourself or mom and dad. Without them, it's okay. While they're playing softly, and I'd like for us to treat this with reverence and respect. Now is a great time. There's no 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 moment like right now. Establish priorities to reestablish commitment. What do you have in your house that God could work with? I'm going to ask you to bring it to Him right now. While they're playing and singing softly, I'm going to ask everybody, all of our families, all of our folks here today, just come gather around the front. This is the most important thing that will happen to you. This is the most important thing you can do. And so when you come. All is stripped away. start pouring your heart let those tears flow. let the repentance come out let it come out God I'm going to be more than I've ever been I'm going to do more than I've ever done I'm going to commit I'm going to get my priorities straight you have blessing for me in the future and I want to be prepared you have sustenance for me in the future I want to be prepared God you want to erase some of my debt God you want to erase what's happened in my past God, you want to take care of all of that. I want your blessing. But I have to be empty first. I have to empty out first. If there's worldliness and carnality and sin, get rid of it. It's time to get rid of it and say, God, we're going to make you first. We're going to make you first. We're going to make you fast. We're, we're going to make you the priority. We're going to make you the priority. Everybody pray. Everybody talk to God right now. Everybody please pray. Oh, dads, pray for your family, pray for your wife and your kids, moms, get excited about pouring that all out, get excited about giving God more, get excited about being more, we need our moms and dads, we need our moms and dads. strength of every country is its family unit and we've got to have a strong family unit we need our parents we need our moms and dads I want to step out on faith here right now and just for a moment while they're playing softly be an awesome thing just to hear all of our dads pray right now just all of our dads while they're playing softly wonder if all of our dads or whether your family's with you or not it doesn't matter our husbands our single men whoever if you're a male while they're playing softly let's pray for our families let's pray for the folks close to us right now all of our men would you pray